Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're back in 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, picking up at a spot where I think most people are going to want to be tuned into because this is the place where we discover the, the relational connection or disconnection of those who would be believers married to those who are unbelievers and what we're supposed to do with that. So, Without any further ado, let us get to the Lord in prayer. Father, we give you thanks and praise for the blessing of this day, for the opportunity to be able to rejoice in the scriptures, those things which you personally, thinking upon us, have brought to our attention. We understand, Lord, that it may be through the Apostle Paul that these things were taught and spoken, but we also understand that it was through your divine guidance that these be spoken. And so that initially, as we read these things, we might have a, a place of blame in our heart for Paul, but ultimately we would be accusing you. So we have to approach this, Lord, not by our own bias or by our own ideology, but by what the Word of God has to say and how you lead in our hearts. We pray the Holy Spirit's wisdom today. We pray for the blessing of gathering together before you. And ask, Lord, that your hand be upon us as we consider these things in Jesus' name. Amen. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. <laughs> Very important that we understand exactly what's being said. Here is, is uh, a section of this scripture where the Apostle Paul is, is gleaning upon the wisdom that he's had over these several decades. The the wisdom of his roots in Judaism. There's a lot of wisdom that's coming. It has some backing of the Lord. Obviously, if it didn't have any backing of the Lord, it wouldn't be in Scripture to begin with, but it has some backing of the Lord. But these are some of the things that you couldn't go back into the Old Testament and say, okay, this, this is book, chapter, and verse on exactly where it says this. This is some of those things that gleaning together from those teachings that he's received from the Old Testament, he's formulated these understandings concerning the Word of God. And so the Apostle Paul goes on to say, But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife that does not believe, and she is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. In other words, if you are a guy and you're a believer, and your wife is an unbeliever, but she enjoys being with you, and there is no conflict between your faith and her life, and so she's pleased to dwell with you. He said, don't divorce her, because there's no reason to break, break up something that isn't broken at present, and if it isn't broken at present, you'll see that when we get down to verse number 14, it says, the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean, but now they're holy. So, in this relationship, if, if one side, such as verse 13, and the woman who has a husband that's not a believer, if he's pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him for the purpose. 
that your life becomes a testimony to this person so that they may be able to come to know the Lord. If you truly love them, you're going to want them saved. And so that you recognize from your salvation that they've never come to Christ or that they're not saved, it, it makes you all the more passionate about their soul to, to pray for them and to try and share with them and to try and, and lead them to Christ and see them saved. In my own personal life, there was a time where my wife had, had come to know the Lord and she had gotten saved, but I was still not saved. <clears throat> so when she came to salvation, she didn't just acknowledge the fact that I was a lost brute and and say, okay, that's it. We're not supposed to be together and, and break off. No, that's not the case at all. Thank you, Jesus. The case was is that because it was I was still pleased to dwell with her, of course, now keep in mind I was lying to myself and thinking the whole time that I was saved as well, so I thought that I was uh, her equal as far as being a child of God when in fact I was completely lost at just playing a game. Now when she received Christ, she knew that and that she would she would ask about certain scriptures that pastor would have taught on on a Sunday morning or she would pray over these things or or ask for the Bible to be read every night when our, when our daughter was just a wee little girl and uh, our first daughter and our second daughter was coming along and and uh, I received Christ just just I mean she was pregnant with our second daughter when I actually received Christ and so so the reality that that comes into this is that it's just a nastiness that I had inside of me, but still was pleased to dwell with her. And so she kept me and and prayed for me and and you know in those opportunities to be able to get others to share scripture with me. Needless to say, it was because of her. Uh, and the prayers of many, no doubt, but because of her and her attitude and and the the love that she had for Jesus, that she would have stayed with me. That that was setting me apart. That's what that word sanctified. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, or the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Is that she was setting me apart through the prayer and through the sharing and through the the requesting of, of the reading of the scriptures so that God would keep working upon my old hard heart and so that, that indeed, uh, you know, she reclaimed me from death. I mean, that's, that's the end result of this. And so we find that what Paul is, is getting to the point here about is, is that if, if you are both unbelievers and the one of you hears the gospel and receives Christ, don't go changing things. If the person is satisfied to continue dwelling with you, then praise God, hold on to them, because that's a soul that you can reach for the Lord. That's our purpose as being children of God to begin with, is, is to, to go and to preach and to teach all nations like our Yeshua, like our Jesus commanded us, right? So, so the point being is that you know that that is one of the very initial souls from your salvation that you have a direct relationship and contact with on a regular basis that you can begin honing your skills of how to share your faith 
in the confines and comforts of your own home. So if if you are connected to someone who is at current not a believer, don't push them away. Draw them closer in. Pray for them. Share the scriptures with them. Share God with them so that, that you can sanctify them and that they could come to know Jesus and make that decision to follow Christ. And and so he says, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any man has a wife that's not a believer, but she's pleased to dwell with him, don't divorce her. And if a woman which has a husband that isn't a believer, but he's pleased to dwell with her, then don't divorce him. For the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by, by the wife or the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they're holy. The concept of, of being unclean is, is uh, just the simple fact that, that they wouldn't be under the boundaries of the sanctification if there was a, a breakup. And of course, you discover that that's a reality because in, in most divorce cases, you have a scenario where if there's a divorce and one side would be a believer and the other side would be an unbeliever and the child is caught in the balance of the two and being bounced back and forth between a believer and an unbeliever, they're going to take up the traits of the unbeliever much more so than they'll take up the traits of the believer. And it's just the natural state of the flesh. It will bend more towards that which is natural and of the flesh than it will towards that which is of the Spirit, which is wholly foreign to it to begin with. And so you have a situation where if you if you are pleased to dwell, in other words, if there's no violence in the home, if there's, no, if there's nothing wicked happening in the home it's it's just this person's an unbeliever and you share children together well praise god keep them keep it all together keep the lord in the home keep the word of god lifted up and the children remain under that teaching and seeing the proper connection between husband and wife it better speaks to them the nature of Christ and the church, the nature of salvation that they need to see anyway, so that they remain as it is holy, or people set apart. Now, verse number 15, if the unbelieving depart, let them go. <laughs> let them go. Uh, all too often, we, we have in, in the Christian circles these, these insanely messy divorce cases, these crazy uh, fights and wars among among the brethren in these divorce cases, and and ultimately you're you're looking at this position where where Paul is saying, look, if the unbelieving departs and how they choose to depart, or if you have to get them to depart, if you're having to put restraining orders on people, if they if they're violent, if if there's domestic violence in a home, get out. I mean that's. That's exactly what he's he's talking about. And in the umbrella of this, he says, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. He says, a brother or sister in Christ is not under bondage in such cases. You know, this is a, a willing surrender to my life to be given to my wife. Just as we had saw, the man is, has no power over himself, but he is given unto the woman. And likewise, the woman has no power over herself, but is given unto the man. 
And so this this is a willing exchange. This this is something that has has been chosen to to enter into and to surrender to. And so that you have this situation where there is abuse, where there is violence, where there are other situations where there is drunkenness, where there is is all kinds of different riotous living, where adultery is is taking place. You're not under bondage to remain in in such a situation as that, it, especially this per, this person dis, displaying these attitudes or displaying these things, yet still trying to claim that they're Christian. Well, you're not under bondage to that because the fruits of the Spirit, which would reveal the Christian, are not being displayed, but the fruits of Satan are being lived out, which is the direct non-connection to Christ. And so much that a person would say that they're, they're Christian, but but all of their activities and all of their things that they're doing are, are not according to Scripture, then they're lying to you. You've been lied to, and you're under no obligation to remain connected to them, just as Paul would say here, if, if the unbelieving depart, let them go, for a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. Verse 15, but God has called us to peace. And that, that, now, let me straighten this out. That doesn't mean that just because you can somehow justify your way around not having any peace in the home, the kids are always screaming, the husband's never there. When he's there, he's, he's watching the game, is this, is that, is the others. So we could just somehow work our way around the justification that this isn't peace and so I'm going I'm just leaving no you you can't bend the word of God to fit your own shoes you got to fit yourself into the word of God it's pretty simple this peace that is being referred to is a peace that that is free from destruction it's the same peace that jesus would give us to fill our hearts from the void that was there before we received salvation it's that peace from destruction and so the the dealings with trying to hold on to somebody who's trying to leave or the dealings of of being beaten up on a regular basis or again the acts of adultery that are being committed or or other things that are happening the drunkenness the 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 drugs or anything that would cause them to be no longer connected to you because of a love that they have for something else that's infatuated them and overtaken them at said point your life is 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 hell so to speak at said point uh you're sitting there bleeding you're sitting there bruised and broken you're and while while he's off doing whatever, leave. <laughs> Just leave. You're under no bondage to remain there. Under no bondage at all. There there is that peace that comes in the position of safety, of of being cared for. And that's the peace he's called us to, so that you understand. And he says, for how do you know, in verse number 16, how do you know, O wife, whether you, you will be able to save your husband? Meaning, you'll be able to live a life that would exemplify Christ in so much that he would be drawn to Christ and enter into salvation that you've delivered him from death. Congratulations. 
And how do you know, O oh man, rather you would save your wife? And that's exactly what we're called to do as believers anyway, is to lead people to Christ so that they would not perish. Ultimately, we're saving them by bringing them to a knowledge of salvation so that they can be saved. <laughs> it's very important to understand. Uh, I can save you from, from alcoholism, or I can save you from falling off a cliff. I can save you from from a lot of things physically, I can save you by leading you to Christ through the knowledge of the gospel, but Jesus is the one who saves you eternally. And so if you have the ability to lead someone to Christ, then lead them to Christ. If they're not going to come to Christ and they become violent against you, then get out. It's pretty simple. Coming down to verse number 17, the scripture then begins and says, But as God has distributed to every man, as the Lord has called everyone, so let him walk. And so I ordain I in all the churches. Uh, very important to understand that every single person watching this, and every single person that shows up into church on Sunday, has a calling that God has put on their heart and in their life, as God has distributed to every man. Now, this word man is in the broader sense, not as the, the sex of male, but as the creation of mankind. So this is dealing with men. This is dealing with women. This is the connection of Christ to his church that every man as the Lord has called everyone. So the everyone is connected to the every man as the point. Let them walk in the calling. But the, the challenge that we find in our society today is that people don't understand what the Lord has called them to because they've not spent any time learning of the Spirit. They've not spent any time learning of, of themselves and their connection to God. They've not spent any time understanding the things of Scripture so as to be able to grow into a knowledge of the calling that they have. They just go to church for the entertainment value of it, and they get nothing from it except for a feel-good from week to week. And that's all they really care about because they have so many other things going on in their lives that they really wouldn't want the Lord to actually disrupt the, the things that they're doing or the multitude of directions that they're going in because if, if they dedicated more to knowing God, then it might change other things that they're enjoying to doing. So, so they've got to uh, keep the pretense of I'm a Christian by going to church but not give up anything else or be willing to give up anything else that might need to be changed in order for them to live out the calling that God has put on, on their life and in their heart. But it doesn't change the fact, as verse number 17 reveals, that as God has called every person, let them walk in that calling. Which is why Paul reveals he ordains in the churches. He says, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man called in uncircumcision? then let him not be circumcised. 
Here's the point. Is, is any man called being a Jew? Well, don't, don't give up your, your identity as being Jewish to, to serve Jesus. That You don't have to give up your identity of who you are. To, to serve the Lord. Is any man called in uncircumcision? Those Gentile people, are they called to serve God? Well, certainly so. I'm one among them. But they don't have to become Jewish in order to serve God any more than a Jewish person has to become a Gentile to serve God. That They don't have to give up their identity as, as a people, as a, a nation. They don't, they don't have to surrender their 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 understanding of who they are they yea rather they ought to rejoice in the fact that Jesus would save like the gentiles we should rejoice in the fact that God has extended his love toward us for we know that that he called his people Israel unto himself but then extended the same calling of the same love and the same blessings to all the nations who would receive him. I don't have to become Jewish in order to serve the Lord, to rejoice in the Lord, and to be a blessing to the Jewish people. I don't have to be, be have this idea of becoming something that I'm not in order to serve God. Rather, I have to understand who I am and realize what God has done for me, where I'm at, and through who I am. I can't become something else and truly serve the Lord. And this is the reality in verse 19. Circumcision is nothing. And uncircumcision is nothing. Taking pride on, on an act. A, a physical act, a surgery performed, taking pride on that is going to get you nowhere. He says, keeping of the commandments of God is everything. And by the way, when we look at the commandments of God, we don't find circumcision in the commandments of God. Circumcision was a practice that had begun before the law of God would, would even be given. Circumcision was something that was being done all the way back with Abram where it began and through Isaac and through Jacob and thus through the, the, the beginnings of the nation of Israel. But Moses is, is well past 400 years uh, from those, those generations and when the law was given unto, unto Moses, especially God's law and, and the commandments written in stone, when that was given unto Moses, there's no speak of, of circumcision anywhere in it. And so when we, when we try to elevate, like, like say that the Jews would try to elevate themselves above all the rest of mankind as believing themselves to be the, the people of God, uh, in their in the orthodox manner, but their circumcision is nothing. So heavily relied upon is is that which would be the physical symbol of their being separated from the rest of those Gentile nations. But the truth being is that it's nothing. And uncircumcision, those of the Gentiles and the, of the Gentile nations, it it matters not. This is just skin. It matters not. This is just a surgery. 
a, a thing of the flesh. It doesn't matter at all. What matters to us in our lives ought to be the observing of the commandments of God. That word keep, it keeps coming back, doesn't it? Keeping, it means to guard or protect. It means to observe. And so we, we need to be observing the commandments of God. We need to be obedient to God's word. That matters more than an external physical thing that has been done to your body. He says in verse 20, Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Abide in your calling. What are you called to do for the Lord? Well, that's what you ought to be doing. Don't try to be doing what I'm doing. Don't try to be doing what the other person's doing. If you know what the Lord wants you to do, that's what you're supposed to do. Don't think that because you see this job as being higher than this job that it's actually true. Because every single calling that the Lord puts on the hearts of men is important and nothing, no matter how large it seems to be or no matter how small it seems to be, nothing is insignificant. Everything has its purpose. Everything has its point. And and. When we fulfill the calling that we have on our heart collectively as a body in Yeshua, when we fulfill those things that we know we're supposed to do as being called to do them, then the body rejoices. The body is healthy. The body is, is vibrant and alive and, 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 and serving. It's wonderful. But when everybody wants everybody else's job because they see that everybody else's job seems to be more or better or or well received than the job that they're doing, then nothing gets done. Everything falls apart and the body dies. He says, let every man abide in the same calling where he's called. He says, and you, if you're called and you, you happen to be a servant. Don't worry about it. And if you if you are free, you're called and you're a free person, then use it. <laughs> he says, For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. So, point being... If, if you're a wealthy billionaire and you don't have to work and you're completely free to do whatever you want to do with your life or you're in some sphere of society where you're a prominent person and that your job is basically telling other people what to do, realize that you're actually a servant. You're, you're not a boss whatsoever. You're a servant. For as you have entered into Christ, you have become a servant of the Lord. And so you are to use that position of freedom that you have. You are to use those resources of wealth that you possess for the purpose of the benefit of the kingdom of God that you recognize because you're a child of God. Now, this obviously does not apply to the lost person whatsoever. It doesn't apply to the rebellious, or, or to those outside of Christ, because none of this would make sense to begin with anyways. Now, if you're a believer and you're in this position of, of freedom to be able to, to do as you please and you're not serving the Lord, you're going to pay for that. <laughs> you're going to have to answer for it. 
I think about all of those people that that I've I've watched throughout my years of of serving in the ministry and and they have these great plans, you know, they work really hard right now because they they've got their eyes focused on the concept of retirement and they figure well when I hit retirement that's when I will will be able to to serve the Lord. That's that's when I'll be free. And when I'm free, I'll be able to serve the Lord. And and so I'm working really hard right now so I can build up all of my everything. I can have my boats and my my vacations and my toys and my all these all this stuff. I'm going to work really hard to be able to have all that now so that when I can't do anything else, when I'm, when I'm physically incapable at my point of retirement where I'm broken and there's nothing left for me to be able to do, then I'm going to serve the Lord. <laughs> and thus you get to the point where you're, if you're able to retire, if you've made it to the point you retire, you haven't passed away from all the stress and strain of trying to get there. And, and, and you finally get there. Your health is majoritively broken. You, your your finances are depleted because you're now on a fixed income instead of having the multitude of overtime and wealth that you were uh, accustomed to. Now you're on a fixed income. Uh, most of that income is being sapped away because of all the different medications and all the different issues of the health and body that's broken down from all of the strain from everything else that you've done. So in all the years that you could have been healthy and actively serving God, even in the midst of the job that you're doing, because that's exactly what he says right here, uh, the, the concept that if if I am a servant, then I'm the Lord's freeman, and I'm free to be able to share the gospel and build the kingdom of God in my service. And if I'm a freeman, then I recognize that I'm a Lord's servant and that I pay attention to the lives of the people that I'm governing so that I can lead them to Christ and so that both the, the servant and the person who's free are equally servant to Christ and they do their jobs within their spheres to be able to touch the lives of people with the gospel. So all those years that, that we were we were working and healthy and strong, we could have been obedient to 1 Corinthians 7 in this calling and we could have shared the gospel and led people to Christ and at work and and all over the place we could be we could be leading people so that when we reach that place where we are retired we've spent 20 30 years serving the Lord and sharing the gospel and building the kingdom and so that in that time of retirement it, there's really you don't even pay attention to the fact that you you've missed work because you wake up and though you don't have to report to the job site anymore you still have people to reach for the lord and so you're not done how priceless is that maybe we've got to rethink the way we do things in our lives maybe just maybe the gospel speaking to you today you just need to change well, Paul goes back and he gets to meddling again. And he says that he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Verse number 23, a reiteration of what we had received in chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. If you recall, he says, you are bought with a price. Remember, Back in chapter number six, he said, 
Do you not understand that you are not your own? You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your members. Here he says, you are bought with a price. So don't be the servants of men. Now, that doesn't mean don't serve men. <laughs> that doesn't mean don't be faithful and obedient to the bosses that you have at work. Don't be faithful and obedient to the, the time schedules and the work that you have from the jobs that you're doing. Yea, rather, be more faithful. Be on time. Be, be first in, last out. Be always reliable because that is demonstrating Christ to the workplace. That's demonstrating the love of God to the leadership. That, that is causing the people to be curious about your activities because you're totally different from the rest of them and giving you a platform to be able to explain Jesus to them. That is a good thing. But to, to serve man instead of serving God is an error of the Christian. You're not supposed to serve man over serving God. You're supposed to be obedient to God in the service toward man. And he says in verse number 24, Brethren, let every man, wherein he is called, abide with God. Abide with God in that calling. Hold on tight. Hang tight. Abide with God in that calling. Now, we're going to move to the, the unmarried, and we're going to move to the widows. Now, here's the exciting part. Now, I get in trouble here, too. <laughs> so, hold on tight, Mabel. It says, Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. Yet... I give my judgment as one that has obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. Now, this is interesting because it's concerning virgins. I don't have any commandment of the Lord. But, he says, I've got a judgment on this thing. As one that has obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. The present distress being the wicked times that they live in. Uh, especially the times of Paul that he's living in with with the psychotic uh, Roman emperor and and the dealings that he has with the Jews as well as with with those other sects of of Romanism that would want these Christians dead. So he says, I suppose therefore that this is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man so to be. In other words, for a man to be a virgin, that's a good thing. He says, are you bound to a wife? Question. Then don't seek to be loosed from her. Are you loosed from a wife? Then don't seek a wife. And that's pretty simple. He says, but and if you marry... You have not sinned. Marriage is an acceptable thing before the Lord. It is something is the very first institution that God had created for mankind. As Eve was given unto Adam and bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and she was called woman, and they were 
united together, the very first marriage ceremony there at the end of Genesis 2. So he says, if you're married, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned. And that's an absolute truth, because being is that she is a virgin, that means that she's never lain with a man before that consummation of the marriage. Therefore, she is in the purity of her estate. Likewise, for the man, if he be a virgin, he would be in the purity of his estate, and that marriage would be found in the eyes of God in the, in, in the absolute purest estate. That's a great thing. He said, nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. You're going to have trouble in the flesh. Well, because there there are desires that once once sparked cannot be unsparked. There are desires that will that will haunt both of them and there will be difficulties. There will be trouble in the flesh. And Paul says, "But I spare you." He says, "But this I say, brethren, the time is short." It remains that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they have wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoiced not, and they that buy as though they possessed not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. Well, this is the scenario that you'll find Paul is talking about, and it's an issue that we face in our modern times because all these things, such as marriage, and it's all flipped upside down. People are having just just relationships now. They're not even willing to get married anymore. They just come together for the benefits of what it's like to have a spouse, though I don't want to be tied down to a spouse. And even to the point they have children, they do this, they do that. But when it suits them to break off, they break off. They don't have any responsibilities in our modern society, nor do people want to be responsible for anything in our modern society. And so they, they, they live this flippant life of, of of without care and thus we we find this kind of connection that would be revealed here as those that weep as though they wept not those that rejoice as though they rejoice not as people that 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 are so jaded as it would be they're so filled with with a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge or a lack of care or concern because of how deep the wickedness of the world has gone as though it just doesn't matter you know, you, those that weep as though they didn't weep. It just doesn't matter. Those that rejoice as though they didn't rejoice because they don't care. And those that buy as though they didn't possess. That's like, I don't own anything. And in, in the U.S., you really don't own anything. If you've received a title for your car, it's still, it's still under the possession of the state that puts tags on it. It's still... It's still under under possession of someone else. You just think you own it because you don't have to make a car payment on it anymore. But that doesn't mean that you don't that you're not paying for it. Of course, you still pay the state for the privilege of using that car. You pay the state for the price of what it takes to have it registered from year to year, so that you have to have a title inside of that car. It could easily be taken from you, impounded, and and sold off in an auction as though you'd never owned it, even though you paid for it, so to speak. And so th that reveals the point of verse number 30, and they that buy as though they possessed not. 
And so it comes down and says, And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. He said, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. In other words, you have the fullness of your focus that you can use to dedicate yourself unto the Lord in service. He says, But he that is married cares for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. In other words, once you come unto marriage, you can't dedicate 100% of yourself unto the Lord and the things of the Lord because you have to consider those things of your wife. You have to consider those things of, of, of the home, of the, of, of the transport, of the, of the family, of the kids. There's a lot of things that are, that are concerning the world that you now have to care about, whereas if it was just you, you could just simply dedicate everything to the Lord. We'll finish this on Friday. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll go back over this a little bit. We'll start off in verse number 32, and we'll finish the chapter. I'm out of time. So, let's talk to Jesus. Lord, we give you praise and thanks for the blessing of that which you've revealed to us through, our, through your servant, Paul. For our benefit, Lord, we pray that you will bless us in the receiving of these things. We may come to a better understanding of our relationship with you and the nature of who we are. We ask that you will be with us, guide us, and protect us this day, that we may serve you well in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. May God bless you guys, keep you guys, and cause his face to shine upon you. And I'll catch you tomorrow for the completion of 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Hallelujah. Take care.